been out on the road Waiting for a new episode We've been thinking of you And just what you need Oh yeah, yeah Now that the show's underway I guess we can call it a day You're ready for Welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute podcast, where each week Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz directed comedy, Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. Today, as we look at Minute 74 of Bowfinger, I'm joined by two brilliant guests. I'm here with Stuart Hardy and Alex Yousefi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. So uh, before we delve into the minute, um, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Start with you, Stuart, alphabetically. Um, who who are you? What do you do? Uh, I am Stuart, otherwise known on the internet as Stu Bag Fool. That's S T U B A G F U L. I have to say it like that because that's the rubric. Uh, basically, I make silly videos and and I make a mix of silly videos and more serious analysis videos on the internet. And I also host a, host a podcast called Abnormal Stories, in which I dramatize my own original fiction which I have worked on with yourself, Luke Allen. Yes, it's it's been really good fun. Um, and uh, and Stuart, no, Stuart, I've just talked to you. I'm Right. Hello. And Alex, who yep. are you? Uh, I'm Alex Yousefi, and in 2021, actually it was 2020, actually. It started um, in 2020, yeah. Starting in 2020, me and Luke co started co-writing a comedy short film called Reduce to Clear, and that was my first media-ish, biggish step into, you know, the world of film. That's when I first started getting interested properly. We'll now play a short clip from Reduce to Clear. And then he said he preferred his other man to me. Cheek of that boy. Exactly. That's what I said. That's why I killed him. Your coffee, sir? All right, cheers. Uh, keep the change. Are you employee of the month? Excuse me, young man. Do you take donations? We sure do. These were my grandsons, but he doesn't need them anymore. He always wanted his organs donated. The least I could do. That was Edward Tidy, Winterfonander, and Ninette Finch in a short scene from Reduced to Clear, written and directed by Alex and I. The full film can be found on Mr. Middle Films on YouTube. And, you know, I've taken a little bit of a hiatus since then. So trying to get back into it again this year. And part time, I, you know, I just work at an inflatables company. So lots of fun, but not much in the world of film at the minute. Well, fab. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like your name has almost certainly come up, Alex, throughout the show. Uh, if yeah. so, As we've had thus far this week, Winter Fonander, Edward Tidy, Simon Fisher-Becker, Gareth mm. Thomas and Amy Munt, all of whom oh, all uh, of we have worked with. Uh, because I seem to have a very limited uh, contacts list. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, so here we are. Um, so Alex, you have not seen 
Bowfinger. Nope. Um, so we will shortly delve into your thoughts based purely on this minute, which I'm very fascinated to hear. Um, but uh, Stuart, you you have now seen the film. What what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's not my favourite Steve Martin because um, because I am a very very big Steve Martin fan. I hadn't seen Bowfinger before you suggested bringing me on this podcast. Um, which was uh, to, which was something of an oversight because Steve Martin has done quite a lot of very good films and quite a, quite a lot of bad ones as well. Uh, but Steve Martin holds a very very special place to me. Um, the Man with Two Brains is one of my favourite films ever. Um, holds a very special place to me because it's one of my part my partner's pro- probably it's one of my partner's favourite films and it's just the most brilliant absurd it, it starts out quite quite like an absurd drama it's it's like a very very serious medical drama but everything in it is completely absurd and out, out of and and completely completely out of out of proportion and it just gets more insane over the course uh, insane over the course of the film it's it's about a man who um he's invented the screw top brain surgery technique where you literally screw someone's head and it cut head and the top of their head comes off and you can see the brain and that's how he performs brain surgery um but yeah steve, steve martin his style of his style of humor just really speaks to me and bowfinger is a more down-to-earth one i think because it's it's more grounded in conventional yeah in conventional reality even if it's a bit more even if it's a bit more over the top than you would expect of most comedies. Um, I noticed quite a lot of um, influence on 30 Rock as I was watching it. Okay. I, I've not seen that much of 30 Rock as to, to know. I really, really recommend it. Um, Steve Martin actually ma- makes a guest appearance in one of 30 Rock's best episodes, which nice little connection there. But yeah, it's, I could see a lot of influence on 30 Rock because, you know, the, the, pre- the premise is about a movie producer trying to put together a really... A, 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 put together a really insane film with a stupid premise and that's kind of that's kind of what 30 rock is all the time like stupid tv shows with stupid premises and the actors that he has in it are played as like over the top dumb like the um like that like that lady is going going to his uh, going to his um going to his audition and she's and she thinks that she has to pay 25 dollars to become yes. a celebrity oh, it's, it's just such... but the annoying thing is like in watching it, I mean, interesting. Heather Graham's character is fascinating anyway because I think she like twists the whole convention that you think she's dumb, but she's exploiting the system. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think it's what's so fascinating about Bowfinger is I don't think the indie film world has changed in thirty years. Really, I think this is primarily um, exactly the same scene as. And so yeah, many of the experiences. As I was watching it, I just immediately thought to myself, "This is Luke's bag." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, um, Bowfinger. The idea that you've got a bunch of people who've decided to make a film with a celebrity, but the celebrity cannot know that he's in the film. <laughs> it's so, it's so stupid. But simultaneously watching it, I start. There were a few points which I was like, "That's actually quite good." I might, I might make note of that, and <laughs> which is not, not ideal. But um, I have. Uh, you're not, you're not admitting to stalking, are you, Luke? No, uh, but I do. I do know a Bowfinger who we had on last episode. Someone who uh, it would not be unfeasible to do exactly what Bowfinger did, and that that man is Gareth Thomas. Um, 
and uh, yeah. So, Alex, you've seen one minute of this film. Of course, yeah. What's your What's your overall concept of the film based on that one minute? Right. Well, to start with, I think it's worth mentioning I've actually not seen a Steve Martin film. So, seeing his, you know, skills grow as a actor and writer, it's quite hard for me to get an impression of you know whereabouts this lies in his in, like top rankings of you know cult classics or popular films so initially my thoughts are it looks very surreal so that contrasts with what Stuart said because you know if you're saying this is on the lower end then I don't know what the higher end is like oh, um, oh, the man with two brains would melt your head <laughs> I mean if it's that surreal it's worth giving it a go and seeing the clip it's quite odd that when writing reduced to clear it was not something I'd seen because I thought I'd started broadening my horizons with you know surrealism and surreal you did, um, films. Yeah. yeah and then this seems to have just slipped my radar I mean I don't even know whereabouts this would you know lie it's um but- yeah, so uh, Bowfinger is is fascinating, and, and the Mamma Two Brains I've known of and I haven't seen it. Bowfinger, what's so fascinating to me is that it's fairly grounded as as humor, but some of the mindhead stuff is really surreal. Even though obviously it's it's a spoof of Scientology, um, that I don't quite know how that it aligns as well as it does, um, because it feels like it's two competing styles of comedy, um, but. Uh, yeah, I I am fascinated. Um, and and this this minute especially is definitely a very strange minute to 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 build your concept of the film around. Um, because I think you messaged me, Alex, as soon as you watched it, being like, "That sure was a minute." That was definitely a minute. Is the I'm just out of curiosity. Is the rest of the film this level of surreal, or is it this an especially high moment? Um, is it cranked up to the max for this? It's minute? a bit cranked up to the max at this point, but the films kind of reached of this point. But uh... there's, a de- there's a degree of logic to it. You can see how one thing gets to the other, even if the leap of logic is completely insane. Yeah. Whereas, man, whereas with man with two brains, no that cohesion. has no logic to it whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. I need to see that film. I keep like. The number of times I have nearly bought the DVD of The Man With Two Brains and seen it and gone, oh, I'll pick that up and then just like change my mind. I think I might, I think I might start having to message you every week or so and ask you whether you've watched it yet. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll do that with you in about time. Okay. I, yeah. I noticed a lot of people are wearing sunglasses. Is that a is that a running gag or is that just very like you know obvious costume for everybody in this time period? I think that's just LA. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> big, enough. big shot Hollywood, LA. Therefore, sunglasses. It's yeah, it, it it's kind of just shorthand. Even the black odd vehicle looks like it's got sunglasses on the back. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> but, but I'm a fan of that observation. Most of my notes were me just trying to remember and figure out what's happening in this minute, uh, which considering I only saw the film, like I rewatched the film two days ago. I don't know why I got so confused, but I was very much like... Basically, it's, basically it's Eddie, Murphy's Eddie Murphy's character, Kit, is a bit crazy and is under the impression that aliens exist. So when you've got this group of indie filmmakers trying to make a film without him realising it, 
the context is he he believes that this is proof that aliens yeah. and CIA are following him. <laughs> yeah, which, is, which is as I said, mad. But there is a degree of logic to it. Yeah, that's I plausible. Mean, I love I love the fact in the film that they're making this alien movie in which he's yeah. Just just in case, I'm going to assume Alex, you know zero about this film at all. I've read a quick um, synopsis and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So they they want to make this big movie. And they want the star kit, Ramsey. And yeah. it's an alien movie. He, they couldn't get him to agree to be in it, and therefore he does. They just have to make him think he's being chased by aliens. But what is so ah. funny, um, which they don't know, is that he's like going through therapy because he keeps believing aliens are talking to him. Oh. And so he was just calming down, and then he sees these aliens, and he's like, "Oh no, it's happening again!" And it's just. Oh, it's such a stupid surreal I, I, stupid idea to add that as an extra layer, but I thought that was brilliant that like the first time it happens, you realise, oh, he, he's precisely going through therapy where they're trying to tell him aliens don't exist. Do, do they find out that he's going through therapy? I don't, I don't think so directly, and I don't think they care. <laughs> well, yeah. There is, there is, at the end of the film, there, at the end of the film, Steve Martin's character, Bowfinger, does sort of realise that he has done something a bit wrong here. Or he's made a film, but he rectifies man. it by blackmailing. <laughs> yes, but he rectifies it by blackmailing him, which you know is a bit morally. F- yeah. Oh, it's uh, yeah. It it's a fascinating film, but I I I have yet to have actually someone on the show who is not involved in the entertainment industry or even or anything like that because I don't actually know how this film would be if you don't have any experience of like the film and TV work, because I think it feels like a film made for filmmakers. Like obviously some of the jokes still work, but I think for P- it, it, it probably has an extra layer Yeah, because it's more personal. Touch. Because I know, I know someone like that, you know, I've met actresses like Daisy. I've met DOPs, like whatever the DOP character is, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's just fascinating. And I've met Bowfinger as, as discussed, uh, I basically am the accountant who um, has dreams of filmmaking and has written something which he's convinced is the most insightful thing in the world. <laughs> I love that it is portrayed as this great piece of art, but the iconic line is gotcha suckers, which just does... <laughs> and chubby well, it's rain. About, it's, about a bunch of, it's about a bunch of scrappy indie filmmakers with delusions of grandeur, isn't it? Who will do anything to get famous? Which is all of us, to be fair. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it is just—it's it's just such a such a fascinating piece, and I feel like I most relate to the um, the the people who are confronting Bowfinger about the fact that we don't have permissions and we shouldn't be doing this, um, because that's definitely me. If I'm filming at a location that I don't have express like signed documents for, I'm paranoid and constantly checking that everything's fine. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's, what, that's what I like about this type of fiction because um, if between this and Thirty Rock, which basically did this, but for um, the world of television, it's a there's a sort of demystification of Hollywood and the filmmaking process where mm. you don't think it's a bunch of suits somewhere somewhere miles away doing this doing this incredible doing this incredibly organized production. It can just be a bunch of people who don't really know what they're doing and are just running around trying to make sure that everything goes goes completely. Um, According to plan. Yes, and I don't think there's enough, so considering how much opportunity for comedy there is, there's not enough things set within the indie filmmaking world. Because 
you know, there are several shows and sitcoms and stuff about the making of a film or the making of a show, but they're often set like within Hollywood, within like big budgets and behind the scenes stuff that I don't think there's much in the mainstream about like having to, you know, find extra sources of funding to get the film done and you can't afford that many crews so one person is doing like five jobs and i i think there's so much room for comedy in that that well, the, that well this approached. is what this is why i would recommend 30 rock to mm. you very very harshly because that basically demystifies the entire thing and just says it's all the same thing yeah all of these people do not know what they're doing the specifically the 30 rock episodes which bowfinger reminded me of quite a lot the one where um Tracy Jordan, this uh, the uh, star of the live television show, has to do Conan. Has to do an episode of Conan, and he's off his meds and is having meltdowns all over the place, and everyone's having to run around to try and make sure that he can actually that he can actually do it. It just completely demystifies the entire process, and mm. you just think oh, these people don't know what they're doing, do they? So to delve directly into the minute, uh, we have music, which I believe is. Um... A continuation from last minute of Super Bad by James Brown and the JBs, uh, as Bowfinger's frosty freeze vehicle starts following Kit. See whether you get this, Stuart, because we were discussing this last episode. Do we do we actually find out where the frosty freeze van came from? Uh, it escapes me. I watched this yesterday, yeah. so I probably should. I probably should. So, well, I, I think the person we the, we had on in the last episode similarly like had watched it on the day, and I hadn't. It never crossed my mind, but she was like, "Bowfinger has a van of his own, and he's using this frosty freeze vehicle for some reason," um, which is fair, but uh, yeah, never crossed my mind. The hiding of the DOP in the tree on top of the vehicle was a interesting like choice, that. but I bet they got some lovely shots. <laughs> yeah i mean is this frosty freeze van seen before or i don't think so ever is it a made up ice cream slash waffle company for this film because that's a very well decorated van let's see you want me to check whether frosty freeze is a thing uh frosty freeze um Hang on, I found a, a hip-hop star called Frosty Freeze. <laughs> I mean, there is a Frosty Freeze in Fort Atkinson, the US. Ice mm. cream place. Looks the same. It's pink. Well, that's quite, a, that's quite an inventive way to get that shot, though, because they wouldn't yeah. have had dry back then. I also think, like, they're being inconspicuous by kind of being as conspicuous as you can be. It's it's hiding near enough hide, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. yeah. Which it, it just is, is fantastic. So then then the uh, the black car appears and you there's just kind of consistent panic from them because Kit is completely kind of near enough drawn to the edge of insanity at this point by aliens and everything else. Um, and he spots the the driver. Um, as being a guy who died earlier. He's a dead guy! And it's just, yeah, it's so insane and surreal. And yeah, Alex, watching this, what did you think was happening? Right, so what I pieced together was that Frosty Freeze, the, the people in the Frosty Freeze van, had been following them for a while. 
and they'd only just clocked it. And um, when he says, it's the dead guy, that was, I was thrown. Uh, (laughs) How long has this man been dead? At at this point, how long have you thought he was dead? Uh, I'm not quite sure. And how did he die? Um, Aliens. Uh, but uh, hey, aliens got him. Can can you recall, Stuart, how or when he died? Because I was trying to even figure out what the character's name was called, and I couldn't like find it. No, I think he was just incidental, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. He might have been. I can't remember if it was before or after when the guy's like arms fell off. Um, but uh, this no, was I think like, that was after. It was after. It, was a, it might be just after this actually, where he gets pulled over by police, and then like. The policeman starts like bleeding goo, and then his arms fall off. Yeah, that was after this. Yeah, yeah. which is just a fantastic scene and a decent special effects department for 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 Mister Bowfinger and his and his team. Well, I thought it was some good driving as well. I mean, that's yeah. that's one thing I was complimenting. That's some good driving, and there's multiple vehicles. You know, you've got the camera, and then you've got the main party and then they're being chased i honestly don't know how they get out of this where they go i think you've definitely got to watch the film at some point alex i think it would be very <laughs> very you um yeah. so obviously we, we see eddie murphy uh in this yep. scene as as kit um he also in the film plays jiff ramsey kit's brother um i mean what what did you find Stuart, with with eddie murphy how did you find him in the film how do you find the the whole jewel parts thing which is like of course very eddie murphy yeah, that worked really well. I didn't actually realize that that was his brother that he was playing the same character at one point. So that does that does mm. that, that that does show a nice little duality to it because he is playing two very different roles here. Yeah, I mean I think because obviously like Eddie Murphy so commonly plays like so many characters in his films that I feel like they had the right amount of it. And yeah, you're not the first person to say that. There was um Amy we had on last episode she until she after watching the film looking online did not realize they were both played by eddie murphy because eddie murphy tends to play lots of really bombastic over the top characters this one was very they were both kind of the the more rational characters in the film yeah jeff Jeff was a bit more jeff was a bit more understated softly spoken Mm. very very i just want to i just want to do errands for you Oh, and I, I feel I feel for Jeff for the whole yeah, film. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Two different, two different sides there. Mm. And I think um, I, I was such a fan of the twist when you realised that Jeff was related to Kit. Like it's just such a a brilliant kind of humorous moment. Apologies, Alex, if you ever watched the film that I'm just giving. No, I was going to say spoilers. What? <laughs> but no. uh, yeah, they've they they realise that they can't get everything done with Kit, so they try and like cast bring someone on board to do errands mostly, but who could be a decent body double for different scenes. Yeah. So they try and get someone who looks the most like him. And this guy's been working with them for like ages. And then he's just sat at, at like a, a, a dinner, like just after fil- a filming day. And he's like, you know, I'm really glad you guys gave me the opportunity. People normally just want to use me to get through to my brother because I'm brothers with Kit Ramsey. And it's just such a kind of, yeah. and you wouldn't have, and that's the thing you wouldn't have been able to get away with that if they hadn't tried to make this Jif Ramsey as distinct from Kit Ramsey as possible. Yeah. Well that's it and I think because of the Eddie Murphy trope of him playing so many parts as well it doesn't even cross your mind that oh these guys might be related. Like it's it's quite a nice thing. Um 
and I'm I, I think I'm I tend to be an Eddie Murphy fan, but like so they hide him, him in plain sight, don't they? Yeah. I'm about that. Him and his um well brother, do they dress significantly different as well? Yes, or... they do. Ah. I imagine his brother's a bit more like dressed less out there. Yeah, well, I will. So. Um, I'll see if I can get up a picture of of both of them for you to respond to, and our our listeners are just going to have to imagine it. I kind of forgot that Google isn't just related to Bowfinger, and googling Kit Ramsey is not going to um, give me images of Kit Ramsey. It's going to give me images of football kit with the name Ramsey written on it. Most of the kit wears um, all black leather jackets, black trousers, and Jeff Jeff Ramsey is in like a bowling shirt. Yeah, I'm seeing. <laughs> um, there we go. So we got yeah that, and then and then there's there's Jeff. I definitely see how you can get away with you know <laughs> pulling off the yeah. fact they're related a bit later on and not that just being a given. Oh uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's 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 fantastic and it's the glasses as well. It's like Clark Kent. Also, like this film, you know, considering I I hadn't really known much of Bowfinger, I hadn't really properly heard of it before the show. But um, it's got an insanely good cast. Like we've got obviously Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Terence Stamp, Heather Graham, Robert Downey Jr. Like it's it's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, had it been in your radar, Stuart, before? Um, oh, then... mostly it mostly had been because, as I said, I'm the resident Steve Martin fan. Here. Yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts on um, on Only Murders? I haven't actually watched it. Ah. I know I say I'm the oh, yeah. I know I say I'm the Steve Martin fan here, but it's because I've had so many it's because I've had so many shows piled up because yeah, that's fair. Streamers keep on releasing them for some reason. Yeah, but only murders. Well, is I, I think the reason is to make I think the reason is to get people watching them. I'm not sure, but quite possibly. But uh, I'm trying to think. There's got to be more to say about this minute, but it's just so frankly. Surreal and and insane that I've not got any detailed analysis. This is like this is like the peak of insanity point of the film. Yeah, Mm. and it's so brilliantly earned as well. Like it feels very surreal and confusing looking at the minute on its own. Like I was reaching it and I was like, I I don't know how to explain this. I can't like figure out how the film got to this point. But when you're watching the film, it just like builds in an incredibly well done way. Um, Yeah, Yeah, as I was saying, it's 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 insane, but you can see how they got there. Yes, I think it's why like it feels surreal here, but as a comedy, it's a very grounded comedy. Um, so yeah, but it it's as, as, I, as I keep reiterating on the show, and I'm probably going to cut out about half the times I say because I say it so often. But I can just I just know people that would do this, um, and I I think it it is one of those fascinating things where it's like if it fails, you're an absolute creep obviously um but if it succeeds it's definitely like a story that would get a film popular is like the actor didn't even know they were in the film and would you do it would i do it no i'd be too paranoid i'd be like <laughs> i uh, i'd need like express permission for everything and yeah, in real life in real life you would definitely get arrested oh yeah oh yeah you wouldn't get past the start do you, do you guys know that recently Gerard Butler did a movie in which he only read the first 10 pages of the script and decided to ad-lib the rest of the film? <laughs> oh, yes, but although speaking of that, it does, it does, it is kind of reminding me of that film, what's it called, Escape from Tomorrow, 
Do you know the film where um, they made it in Disneyland without getting permission? I don't heard, think I know that. Yeah, I know that I one. Haven't, I haven't watched it, but I can't. I, I do want to just because the story is interesting. It's, that is it's fascinating. A horror film in Disneyland. Yeah, they they made it in Disneyland without getting permission and without without anyone knowing they were doing it. Whoa, That's that impressive. is fascinating. I do need to watch that. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, um, black and I'll white. Try and find that. Um, I remember it was a big thing on the internet several years ago. I think this, when did it come out? 2013. So probably like just before I got in, involved in, in film social stuff. Actually, I was nine in 2014. So 2013. So <laughs> probably didn't know of it. But that is fascinating. The annoying thing about that Gerald Butler movie is you can't tell. There's nothing different about it. It's just an average action movie that's a bit of a ripoff of Taken. Like there's, oh, was that one called Law Abiding Citizen? It was wasn't that, that. That was one. I've not seen it. This this one was called. I watched that in the middle of lockdown. It was terrible. Oh, actually, what was this one called? Um, it's like the most. I'm gonna need to find out because it's like the most cliche. It was it, it that it one where is it that one where he's um Jennifer Aniston's boyfriend and he. No, he, I've not seen that, but it's something. Uh, it's called know. Last Seen Alive. It's called. He's, he's called. He's called Mr. Gerard Butlerman, and <laughs> he shows up. He he walks into the center of the screen. And he says, "Hello, I'm Mr. Gerard Butlerman, and this is my film." <laughs> Anything can be better than him in movie forty three. Mm. Last Seen Alive looks like a film that you know you would sort of freestyle a script for. To be honest, yeah, you could guess it. You you know what's going to happen. Uh, apparently, they also only filmed it in eight days, which I'm impressed by. You can't tell that. Like the thing is, uh, it's a really good film. Uh, if you consider all the things that, that you know, he didn't have the script and they filmed it in eight days. Like the fact that it's competent is impressive. But if I didn't know that, I'd say it's a bit of a boring film. Um, yeah, it's the story well, behind it and the context. Yeah, it obviously we talked about Eddie Murphy a fair bit, but I haven't had much come up. Are either of you Eddie Murphy fans as much as you're a Steve Martin fan, Stuart? Well, he sort of showed up in films all over the place when that I remember from my childhood, specifically Donkey and Shrek. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm also old enough to have remembered watching the... Uh, Nutty Professor films in the cinema when I was a child. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been a huge fan, but yeah, he was a lot of fun in this one. It's because it's because of the mixture with the young Steve Martin style of absurdist humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Eddie Murphy. I'm a fan of things he's in, but I don't know whether I'm like a fan of him. I don't. Personally. Yeah, I don't think I'd watch a film because Eddie Murphy's in it. But I wouldn't be like disappointed if Eddie Murphy were in a film. It wouldn't turn me off, but it wouldn't necessarily yeah. turn me towards it either. Um, like it's I, 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 I really like, I really like Coming to America. I think that's a really good film. But, um, but to specify, Coming Again. to America with the word two, not Coming to America with the number two, which was average at best. What was it? When, when did that become a thing? That like films, film sequels have to sound so close to the original title. Surely that's not like good marketing. I know we keep talking about making reduced two clear, um, <laughs> Alex, but yeah. that is only so we can make reduced three clear. Of course. 
but, That's what uh, we do. but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just so, so yes, you're, not in, you're not into Eddie Murphy's music then. See, I'm not too <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't know much about his musical side. I don't think I know about Eddie Murphy's music. You don't, you don't want to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. <laughs> Not particularly. No, I wish that's, I got that reference. That's a, that's a nice little rabbit hole. Look that up. <laughs> Maybe I'll insert that clip now. Whatever that is. He had a music career. Well, was was it, it successful? Yeah, was it all right? Oh, this is what it sounds like. <laughs> this is Eddie Murphy singing. This is the section of the podcast in which I embarrass celebrities <laughs> things that they regret. I've also, I've Googled party all the time and it says people also search for Boogie in Your Butt <laughs> by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> which has a parental advisory um, label on it. So, you know. Well, yeah, because it's about, it's, it's about the butts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the lyrics. Like... There's a lot of uh, Boogie in Your Butt. Without listening to the um, to the to the song itself, um, <laughs> I'm going to give us a dramatic reading of Eddie Murphy, <laughs> booty boogie in your butt. In your butt, put the boogie in your butt. Put put the boogie in your butt. In your butt, put the boogie in your butt. Put put the boogie in your butt. I ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt. That's nasty, man. What you talking about? Putting boogie in people's butt? Are you out of your mind or something? You could go to jail for doing something like that. Well, step aside, my friend. I've been doing it for years. I say sit on down, open your eyes, and open up your ears. Say put a tree in your butt. Put a bumblebee in your butt. Put a clock in your butt. Put a big rock in your butt. Say put some fleas in your butt. Start to sneeze in your butt. Put a tin can in your butt. Put a teeny tiny man in your butt. I say put a light in your butt, make it bright in your butt. Say put a TV in your butt. Put, say put me in your butt. Everybody say. This goes on for a bit. Um... Nominations. <laughs> Grammy Award for Best R&B Instrumental Performance. So I would read more, and then I just I just scrolled down and saw how long the song was, and I'm like, I, that, 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 that gag is, is a, staying. That's a lot too much, is. but... <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I hope... I'm glad he was nominated for a for a Grammy. <laughs> in your butt. I just, um, I love how you just treated that like it was a dramatic song. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like you know, like you know, nothing compares to you or something like that. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I am definitely intrigued by this side of Eddie Murphy. Whether I will choose to listen to it is a different matter, but. Um, yeah, well, that there was a there was a tangent. Steve Martin had a music career. Is that a rabbit hole? I don't think down? he has. No. <laughs> Let's just Google that. Steve Martin songs. Oh, he's nomin- He's been nominated for two Tony Awards. So, is he just is he done like Broadway shows and stuff? Then? Yeah, apparently. Oh. People also ask: Is Steve Martin a nice guy? Is he? Probably. Probably. Does it matter? <laughs> if Steve were just a humorous guy without being a highly decent, admirable man, then it would be a different kind of relationship. But Steve is a very loyal, wise, kind, smart person to hang out with, says Martin Short. There we go. 
But I mean, if Martin Short was like, nah, I hate Steve, then I think we'd all be a bit surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nah, I, I really, really adore Father of the Bride. And whenever I see Steve Martin in anything, I think I want to watch Father of the Bride. But either of you, or you, you, I was going to say you haven't because you've not seen a Steve Martin movie, Alex. You've seen no. Father of the Bride, Stuart, in your Steve Martin fandom? That one I have. That one I haven't. As I said, he's done quite a lot of stuff. So that's fair. I just it's, it's it's once again really recommend it both films the original um with Spencer Tracy is decent but for, it was one of them where like I watched the film years ago and I rewatched it recently and it probably sounds really stupid but I wonder if either of you have had this um as fellow industry people that you watch a film and you're annoyed at its existence because you wish you could have been the one to make it See, I never want to be the person to make it, but I'd like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I worked on that. Mm. You know, I wish I was there experiencing all the fun stuff without, you know, you know, if I was just an extra or a runner, you know, yeah. just saying I was part of it. That's definitely me with About Time and me with the Paddington films. Like, if I just wish yeah, I was part of it. If it's something you admire too much, you don't want to mm. take away the writing skills mm. and directing skills you sort of want to be like i admire you did that so well i just wish i was a part of it too. yeah i guess i guess more father of the bride i guess maybe less so i wish i could have done that i'm more irritated by the fact that there's there was a remake that came out this year i haven't seen it but i was almost annoyed because i'm like oh there's time for a remake and i can't do it because they've just done one so like I've got to wait like another 20 years you know. mm. but Anyhow, have we got any final comments on the minute on the film? Anything else? It's uh, it looks very creative, and uh, I would like to have known, you know, the writing process behind Tree Camera, and I like the sound design when it's whipping past, and uh, the thing I think the final shot of the minute says a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check what the final shot is. Hang on, um, it feels like Just a thing. Should... with a hat on, looking out the window. Oh, there we go. Looking shocked. Um, let's see. Ah, yes. It's a very confusing time. I think he's still... I can't tell if it's part of his beard or whether he's still got, like, the alien juice on his face. No, that's got to be beard. The red the red is alien juice for sure, but that, that looks like beard. Yeah, well, I think he's got a beard, but I think that there is a bit of red on his face, isn't there? Yeah, that, yeah, like, no, does I, I not mean, match. There's, there's the alien juice as well as his beard. Yeah, yeah, they blend in, um, but no, it's just got very pink lips. It's fascinating, uh, but yeah, Stuart, um, and any final comments on the minute on the film? Uh, just it's definitely one of his stronger ones. I've um, yeah. as I said, he's got a huge, he's got a huge filmography. I have called myself a fan of his mm. for years. You know, you know the way you are with certain people, certain people that you're a fan of, where you'll just sort of have to work through their films every once in a while whenever you get around to it. Yes, but yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely one of one of his stronger ones. It's definitely up there with. Um, it's not quite as high as Man with Two Brains, obviously, because that's one of my favorite films, as I said. But yeah, it's up there with uh, Man with Two Brains, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaids, um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Plain Strays, and all of those. Definitely up there as one of his best. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm glad that I I had the opportunity to to introduce it to you. Um, but I know you're. I think I like your feelings with Steve Martin, as you said, the kind of working through kind of their top films every now and again but also simultaneously having so many of those that you haven't seen and 
either never will or will take so much time because of the plethora of things I've been in. I feel is me with Bill Nye. Like Bill Nye is my all-time favorite actor, but I probably won't ever see everything he's in. But if he's in a film and I, it's accessible to me, I'll probably go. Oh, I'll give that a go because it's got Bill Nye in it. Well, yeah, it's like I, it's like I said to myself, it's like I realized quite a long time ago that I will never have read everything that Stephen King has written. That that's, that I, seems a, a fair decision to yeah. make. I tried. I really did try. It's yeah. I don't think I have read anything that Stephen King has written. Oh, never will. <laughs> but. Uh, I keep I keep nearly starting things, and I was like, uh, I I think I nearly started The Shining, and then I kind of realised I was more just a fan of the Kubrick film, and of course that is famously very different. Mm. Um, I'll probably read Shawshank at some point. It's a short story in it, but you know, yeah, that's fair. Alex, do you have anyone like that? Anyone you you're a fan of who you probably? No, luckily Edgar Wright hasn't got the biggest portfolio in the world, so I can you know stick mm. to his. Smallish catalogue. Yeah. Stay on top of it, I think. That's fair. Yeah. He's he has he's got a nice short filmography. Uh and I really, really like Last Night in Soho. It's good. Did you say it's your favorite? It's my favorite. It's my favorite Edgar Wright film, probably like in my top five films ever. You seen Last Night in Soho, Stuart? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm as big a fan of it as you, but I did enjoy it. I really like sixties music, so I, I was just <laughs> that was it, really. I saw I saw it on a plane, so that's probably part of why I wasn't. That's fair. I first saw Ex Machina on my phone on a car journey, and that's still like is in my top five films. Like, so I feel like a good film can affect that, but that was definitely a strange way to watch Ex Machina. But then it's not like a big scale film, so it's probably it's quite a smallish contained set, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I adore Ex Machina. Um, but, uh, Have you seen that newish film, The Menu? No, I know I need to. People keep telling me you need to watch The Menu and I've just not got around to it. It's because we were talking about, you know, Last Night in Soho with Annie Taylor-Joy. She's been doing yes. a lot as a reason. She is. She's she's bouncing about. And you had The re- the Menu recommended to you, didn't you, Stuart, on your live stream? Yeah, I've had people tell me about it quite a lot, actually. What's it on? I never remember what it's on. Uh, Disney think... Plus. Oh, is it on Disney now? It was. Yeah. I, I kept meaning to catch it in the cinema. I didn't know it's gone straight. Well, straight. I have a huge list of things to watch. I only literally just sat down to watch eighteen ninety nine a couple of about about seven days ago, and then a day later, Netflix cancelled it. Um, of course, now I, have, now I have to watch Alice in Borderland season two within a month. Otherwise, that will get cancelled as well. <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I need to get around to renewing my Disney Plus as well. I'll watch the. I'll renew it to watch the menu. But anyway, I think we have rambled on. Uh, so I will ask, um, starting with you, Alex, uh, where can the listeners find you? Have you got anything to plug, anything to promote? Uh, I've actually got nothing to plug at the minute. Uh, they can find me on Instagram at, oh, here we go, uh, not done this in a while, Reist and then dot and then by and then dot daylight. It should be catchier, but I didn't think I'd have to do any plugging in a while. But, well, you kept uh, saying you were going to change it when we were doing regular shows, and then it just—you can't, you can't leave it now. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's there um, forever. Uh, if you'd like to look on some, well, not not archives, but like some older posts about Reduced to Clear, as well as a link to the film, that's where you can find me. And if I work on anything in the future or decide to write anything, that's where you can also find me. Lovely, and yeah, I, I, I push. I, I won't promote anything else on this show, but I push. Please check out Reduce to Clear. It was good fun. There's lots of other stuff on that page. Lots of content. 
Anyhow, cool. Stuart, what have you got to promote? Uh, just myself generally. Uh, my YouTube channel, Stewbag Fool, and my podcast that uh, I have worked on with Luke. It's called Abnormal Stories, in which I tell weird stories about. Last one we did together was the Christmas special. Uh, it was called The Advent Calendar, and it's about a little kid called Tim, and he wakes up one day. And he's got an advent calendar on his wall. And every time he opens a door, something bad happens. It's honestly like, I don't know whether it was just because when he sent me the proof, I listened to it at like midnight, but I knew it was going to happen. And I found it genuinely like put a pit in my stomach. I was just like, oh, this is like creepy, but also yeah, it's, kind it's, of. It's, it's, a silly pre- it's a silly premise, but if you take it seriously, then it can be really terrifying. Which seems to be a recurring theme with things you write. Yeah. Um, including take, take jokes seriously. Yeah, take jokes seriously, and you can find some some darker hidden truths to it. I think it's fantastic, and yeah, abnormal stories is great. Um, well worth a listen. I've cast the last three episodes as thus far. There might be more by Matt by now in May when this show comes out. Who knows? But yeah, it's been it's been great fun. I think I'm in two of them briefly. So listen yeah, out for that. And, uh, and yeah, so I can tell you that you can find the Bowfinger Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Play or on the main site of bowfingerminute.com. If you have time, please like, subscribe and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And you can find us on social media via the Welcome to Mindhead, the Bowfinger Minute listeners centre on Facebook and on Twitter at Bowfinger Minute. Hope you join us here next time on Bowfinger Minute. But in the meantime, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Together, children, I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more Sure.